Um, but tonight, as we um, uh, enter into uh, one of our last lessons uh, for this uh, series, uh, we're going to be looking at the parent as evangelist, the parent as evangelist. And so um, there's uh, three resources here that I want to recommend to you all that's not they're not actually noted in um, the, the book, or I mean, sorry, in your notes. Uh, the first one is by uh, Marty Mikowski, uh, Marty Mikowski, and it's just called Leading Your Child to Christ, Biblical Direction for Sharing the Gospel. And for those of you that are excited about small reads, uh, it's, uh, it is very small. You could probably read it as a, you know, during your devotion time one morning. So um, uh, I would recommend that. I'll leave this up here for you to uh, to check that out. Actually, Marty Mikowski uh, has all kinds of really good resources. Anything that he has uh, produced, um, I would recommend to you as, as a family. Um, and uh, he was actually a uh, children's youth uh, minister and uh, was looking for good resources that, are at, that would be out there and was not finding a lot of helpful and, and good resources. And so he just started to create his own. And so yeah, I'm thinking... Where do you get the time to do all that? But um, I, you know, maybe one day that will that would be something I can do. But um, uh, he, Marty Mikowski, I would recommend any of his stuff to you. Um, another uh, two more uh, is uh, published by uh, Truth Seventy Eight. Truth Seventy Eight is actually um, uh, a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? An offshoot of Desiring God for Children. Um, they, it was originally Desiring God for Children, but now it's called True 78, and they supply a lot of curriculum and resources that are out there. We actually utilize part of that for our 4th through 6th grade class uh, for Sunday school. But um, uh, you've probably heard the name Sally Michaels. Sally Michael, maybe, maybe not. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, but she uh, actually has produced a, a lot of other good resources. So Sally Michael and David Michael um, I believe is her husband, actually. So, uh, but they've they've done a lot of very good resources. The first one is helping children to understand the gospel. It's actually uh, ten family devotions that you can go through, and um, I mean just extremely clear, uh, well articulated as far as put together, um, you know, for you to work through this with your children, and um, it it helps mom and dad to you know, make it less awkward and. Um, or feel like you're fumbling, yeah, fumbling like I am right now, over uh, all the all the truths of Scripture and and maybe thinking you've got to have these big theological terms, you know, set in stone in your mind, and that's not the case. Um, uh, so it's Sally Michael, Jill Nelson, and Bud Burke uh, put this together. It's called Helping Children to Understand the Gospel. And then the second one is actually by David Michael, and it's called Established in the Faith. Uh, this is really... Uh, more for dads, I would encourage you for this, a discipleship guide for discerning and affirming a young person's faith. And so tonight, as we're looking at the parent as evangelist, um, uh, really, when we look at evangelism, sharing the gospel, that uh, the parents have the prime opportunity to do that in the home with your children. And hopefully um, your desire is to... Um, share your faith with them on a daily basis. I mean, obviously, you're going to be uh, doing that through repentance on your own part, you know, uh, repenting and confessing, you know, showing that that you are a sinner just as, as they are and that you need Christ just as they do. Um, so you're sharing that gospel all the time with them. 
but these are some other resources that will help you in doing that within the home. And so um, take every opportunity that you can to, to share these truths. Um, there's some other resources, some devotions that you can even do with your children. We've recently been going through one that I'd like to share um, later after we finish it all. I uh, just want to make sure that it's all uh, good and set. But uh, right now, I think it is going to be a good one to share. Um, I've just been really impressed with just even the gospel that's presented and helping the children understand it clearly, uh, fundament- fundamentally, and piece by piece. And we'll talk about that tonight, uh, about being uh, intentional um, yet not diluting, not abbreviating things and, and within the gospel too. So uh, let's go ahead and get started. And um, if you have any other questions or you're looking for specific resources, please talk to me and I'd be glad to share those with you. But uh, tonight, as, as we've embarked and looking at all the things that we've considered, the parents' priorities, the parents' goals, uh, the parents' challenges, and, and now the parents' roles, and specifically this fourth, this fourth role, uh, the parent as evangelist, this is a crucial role. It's, it's really uh, one of the fundamental natures of, of who we are as, as parents, what, what the Lord has intended for us to do uh, within our home. Uh, is, that is why the, the gospel has been a theme running throughout this entire study that we've been with. Uh, God intends the family to be the instrument for passing on biblical truth from generation to generation. Uh, it's not, it's not uh, some other form of education. It's not some other uh, uh, source by uh, people out in the world or the church e- even. It, that is not the, uh, the sole instrument. That is not the main instrument that the Lord intends to use. It is actually the family. Now, obviously, you could say, well, what about those who maybe their family are unbelievers and, and they've come to faith through a friend or another person? Well, surely the Lord's going to use those other people. But in hopefully in this atmosphere, in this, uh, this venue, those of you that I'm talking to, you're going to be sharing the gospel with your children from day one, you know, from, from conception. You're going to be praying for that child and praying for their salvation. You're going to be praying for uh, you to uh, share that truth and share the gospel on a daily basis. <clears throat> um, we've looked at this, you know, all the way back when, it, when we looked at the commitment um, to family, you know, the priorities. And remember I said that you're no better a what? You guys remember those three things? I've said it a few times. You're no better a parent than you are a spouse than you are a child of God. Exactly. So it all starts with your relationship with Christ. You're no better a parent than you are a spouse than you are a child of God. And so if you have that relationship with God, right, and if you're in that working through that, being sanctified, establishing your faith rightly, and then you're doing that as a couple with your spouse, and you're doing that rightly, then obviously that is going to permeate, spill over into the life of you as a parent and to your children. And so making sure that all that is saturated uh, because you make that commitment to your family. And so following section, uh, the section of Lesson 9, um, this is designed to bring our role as evangelists into a sharper focus. You know, some of these uh, points that we're going to look at come from 
um, uh, Faith Works by uh, MacArthur. So if you, you've never read that or heard uh, some of the message from that series, um, then I would encourage that to you. But the first one is, uh, as we as parents, as evangelists, we are to consider this, this truth, and that is we are to not abbreviate or dilute the gospel. Do not abbreviate or dilute the gospel. Don't omit discussing the attributes of God, Christ's blood, the cross, atonement for sins, the resurrection, Christ's lordship, eternal punishment, repentance, forgiveness, grace, and mercy. You know, so often we try and you know, water things down to the point to where there's really no substance to it. And unfortunately, there's, when I was talking about resources, a lot of children's resources that are out there are very much that. They're just so, they're so diluted, so abbreviated, that there honestly is no substance there. It's a lot of flowery pictures and, and flowery words that, that talk about trying to have a good life or trying to say that we need to be good for God because we want to please him. And though, but those aren't the fundamental things that we need to begin with. So though you will need to use proper terminology suitable to the child's age, oversimplification is a greater danger than giving too much detail. Uh, it is possible to confuse the gospel by presenting easy believism. Now, we've probably experienced that at, at least one, one point in our lives, the easy believism of, you know, just do these things, say this prayer, you're good to go, you're set, you've got the stamp and the, stamp and the seal, and, you're, and everything's good to go. And children may respond to gospel invitations for a host of reasons. And we must take extreme care lest we inoculate them or inoculate children against any real commitment to Christ when they do come to an age of mature spiritual understanding. All the time, that that seems to be the case, is that we're just trying to inoculate our children. What is inoculation? Can anybody help me understand that? I'm not a medical person, so. Anybody help me? Inoculates when you introduce something um, to someone. So whether it be like a vaccine or something along those lines, you're giving someone a live or a dead form of something so that their body's introduced to it so it can respond to it the response will be minimal, but it prepares them for the next time. Okay. When they actually face the real thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so ultimately what we're trying to what we're saying is happening here if you inoculate a child is you're trying to present something in there that in, in hopes that, oh, this is gonna take take root and it's gonna grow or it's gonna help prevent it the next time that someone shares something kind or something good to them. And we think that we just share this little bit, we stamp them as good to go, we give them their little inoculation sticker and and we send them on their way and pray the lord will will do what he does and that is true we do need to have faith and we need to trust the lord we need to simply share the truth but it's not an inoculation it is more than that remember that the primary factor in any person's com, uh, coming to christ is not solely how much doctrine he or she knows you know i used to think that a lot it was like well surely man we, we come to a church we come to timberlake baptist church what better place full of doctrine, full of good teachers? And, I mean, they will, they will teach theology all day long. This is a great place to be. A person just needs to come here. They can hear the truth, and they're good to go. Well, that's, that's not exactly the reality here. You could, you could have um, guys like Tim Moshera coming into the children's class and teaching sound theology all day long. That does not mean that automatically those children are saved. Now, there is... 
there's much about Tim O'Shea that I love, and I'm not saying that he should not be teaching children, okay? So don't, don't go back to him saying, Matt was saying you shouldn't be teaching. But our, our kids, that's not what I'm saying. I would love for him to be teaching our kids. But just that doctrine is not enough. Just that sound doctrine is, is, is not enough to say, okay, the kid understands the doctrine of sanctification or doctrine of justification, so they're good to go now. Understanding those truths and actually allowing that truth to penetrate and transform the heart is another thing. The real issue is the extent of God's work in the heart. Example for this would be the thief on the cross, Luke 23. Uh, many of you have probably seen by now um, uh, an older, older recording of Alistair Begg preaching uh, to a group of people, and he talks about the man in the middle. Have you, ever, have you heard that, seen that recording? If not, I'll share it with you. But uh, he, he actually is preaching. He's talking about uh, salvation and how it comes by salvation or how a person comes to salvation and how uh, what do you need to know to be saved? What is it that we need to know to be saved? Well, he says, let's take the thief on the cross as an example. Now, that's like a one in a million, it seems like, examples to our, our, our you know, chances of this actually taking place. But this is the example that we're given in Scripture. And he says that, you know, automatically this man goes to heaven because he turns to Christ and says, yeah, man, we were mocking you, we were ridiculing you all this time, and I've offended you, I've sinned against you. Or he didn't even know that language, but he said, you know, who are we? And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. He's realizing that this man is, re- is repenting, maybe not using that terminology. But what did he do? He gets to heaven, the man in the middle, the, or I mean the, the thief on the cross. And what does he say to, to those who are in, uh, receiving him into heaven? He says, oh, well, I went to Sunday school every Sunday, and I memorized the ABCs of the faith, and, and I memorized all these verses, and I was a good little boy, and yeah, I got spanked every week, and all these kinds of things happened, and, and, uh, but, the, but my parents took me to VBS, and I got saved. No, that, that thief was a sinner, and he had no idea what faith was. He had no idea who this Christ really was. But what we're told is that this guy said, Jesus said this this man said that I was going to be and I was going to be here I didn't know anything I didn't know anything else it was simply that so so what is what is the real issue the extent of God's work in the heart it's not a matter of of an outward working or uh, uh, just an unloading of doctrine into the the minds of young boys and girls but there must be heart change. That's what we're. That's the only thing that we're that we see in that passage of Luke 23 of the thief on the cross, is that there was genuine heart change as a result of what Christ was saying to this man. Christ was not mocking. He was not scoffing back. He was not uh, rebuking the people for treating him in this way. And Christ's testimony, Christ's response, was enough for this man to realize man, who am I? And what, what is it that I've done? It's important that children be allowed to respond to whatever they understand at any given time in their process of growth. You know, just the, uh, not long ago, I remember um, Everly, you know, talking to me and, and, and she just very innocently asked, you know, Dad, is God, God like Santa Claus? And I'm thinking, oh, goodness, I've failed this miserably. And... (laughs) 
<laughs> I was like, wow, I, I need to receive my resignation right now. And, um, and, and, and so I was able to explain to her, no, he's not like Santa Claus. This is very different. This is, this is nothing like this. You know, and she's thinking, what do I believe? Is this real? Is this pretend? You know, we talk about, people talk about Santa Claus, and I don't really see Santa Claus, and I don't, you know, all these kinds of things. And, you know, so, so how do I understand? I don't really see God, and, but yet they say he's true, he's real, and, and, and they say all these things, and say we're supposed to, supposed to believe this. Um, so parents, parents' responsibility is to encourage and entrust truths to their children, but to also allow them to ask questions and allow them to, um, to speak to you and say, this is what I'm learning. This is what I know. This is what I understand. It's important to allow children to respond to whatever they understand at any given time in their process of growth. It's not just about doctrines like, you know, a child saying, you know, I, I think I might be a Christian now. And you say, oh, well, explain to me the... Uh, uh, justification by faith alone, what's that mean? No, I'm not going to ask my child that. But you start to tease that out some more. You don't shut them off right then and not allow these things to grow and mature. You know, as a, as a plant grows and that plant is growing and, and, and you start to watch it and, and then you, know, you see a bud come up and, and maybe that bud is, is beginning to uh, getting ready to bloom, you don't just automatically go Psh! And think, nope, uh, it's not ready yet. But you're wanting to allow that bud to grow even more. You're going to nourish it. You're going to take away any other weeds. And you may sucker and, and pull off other things that could prevent that bud from growing and becoming bigger. So what? how do we do that as parents? Well, we begin to pour more truth into them. You begin to ask questions uh, upon questions and, and help them explain even what it is that they're they're thinking through but ultimately we go back to where go back to the word go back to the word show them what's true show them what's right because it is the holy spirit's task not the parents to offer assurance it's the holy spirit's task not the parents to offer offer assurance this is uh, where you get into uh, sticky situations where mom and dad are are um, are asked, you know, well, you know, mom, dad, I'm just I'm just not really sure of my salvation. I don't know if I believe these things, and you know, I don't know if I was really saved at this time. And mom and dad are saying, oh yeah, no, I I remember I was there. I prayed with you, and 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 everything's good to go. I signed the paper, and the pastor signed the paper, and we put a stamp on it, and all this was good to go. You're saved. Well, it's good for us to encourage and to and to build up uh, what 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 growth of faith may be there, but make sure that we're not the ones signed, sealed, and delivered because that's not our responsibility. It's the Holy Spirit's task, not the parents, to offer assurance. Romans eight fourteen through sixteen, assurance of salvation comes as the Holy Spirit illumines the child's mind to understand scripture and then strengthens him to obey second uh, timothy three fifteen, you however continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings 
which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. There is a potential for serious confusion in the mind of a child if the assurance is from man and not from God. So go back to the scriptures and say, what, does the, what do the scriptures tell us about salvation? What do the scriptures teach us salvation really is? Who are you as an individual? Pastor Farrell has been going through that all through Romans thus far. And then now today looking at where is our hope? Is our hope in the law? No, the hope's not in the law. Actually, the law is there to show just how convicted we are, just how convicted and guilty we are before the Lord. But yet the Lord, but God, has intervened and allowed there to be salvation. So make sure it is God, it is his word, it is the spirit who is bringing about assurance and not us. Now, again, I will say don't cripple don't strangle out any hope or assurance that there may be in the child. Don't just come off and cut out. I, I remember sitting in a, in a class, an undergrad, and the, uh, the, the teacher, the professor at the time, you know, said he had his kid come, and his kid, you know, was saying, Dad, I, you know, I think I got saved last week, and the dad was just like, nope, we're not talking about that. You're too young. We're not going to talk about these things. The kid comes back, you know, next week and starts talking about it. No, you're not old enough to understand these things. And he just kept squelching, and, I, and he was saying this proud, like, yeah, I was a good dad, and, and I, was, I was making sure he was waiting until he was old enough to be accountable, all these things. And, and I just thought, oh, how, um, how unhelpful, <laughs> how unhelpful, you know, for, for uh, someone to be doing that to your child. You know, you want to, instead of squelching it, you want to, instead of cutting it off, you want to nourish it. You want to help it mature. Now, it's not you that's doing that. It's obviously the Spirit. But you're going to go through and you're going to do everything within your power to encourage and help that along the way. Here are some um, characteristics that, we, um, that have been laid out. Uh, if you have a, um, a MacArthur Study Bible, uh, these are listed out, or you can just use your, uh, the handout, your notes there. But characteristics of genuine saving faith, you know, someone's coming to you doubting their faith rather than just signing off and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember I've got I've got it written in my Bible here. Um, you know, Josie was was saved, you know, back on this date and we were there. The pastor was there or or aunt and uncle was there and we prayed together. Let's go back to what does the scriptures say to encourage and, and to to hold this to the fire and say what is true and genuine, what's sincere as Pastor Farrell was even talking about this morning, the faith. Evidence, evidences that neither prove nor disprove one's faith. That's visible morality. Visible morality. Another one is intellectual knowledge. Intellectual knowledge. You know, you're able to, how many kids can, could recite, you know, 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy and all the epistles of the New Testament and, and yet they go on to university and, and they come back and they're, they're atheists. They, they don't believe in anything. They believe in the sciences. They believe in man. They don't believe in God. And yet they memorized half the Bible when they were little kids. It's not just about knowledge. It's not intellectual knowledge. What about religious involvement? Man, we're so quick to, to put kids, put youth and teens into um, into. Uh, um, involvement in, in ministry 
I remember growing up and, and you know, having youth Sundays and, and kids Sundays and allowing the children to, to run the service on Sundays. And, and I'm thinking, whew, those were, those were some wild days, you know, thinking back to that. But, you know, religious involvement, how faithful you are to those services within the, within the church, how faithful you are uh, to coming and doing things, th- that involvement, it can be a good thing. It can be a, a, a positive thing. It could, it could prove, uh, it, it doesn't prove, nor does it disprove one's faith. Active ministry, conviction of sin, assurance, you know, time of decision, knowing, knowing when you were saved. Uh, conviction of sin, you know, the, uh, in, in the letter to the Corinthians, Paul talks about um, a godly sorrow versus the worldly sorrow. You know, what is that conviction of sin that is being presented? Um, is this something that is a remorse for getting caught for, for being sinful or remorse for, you know, ultimately having something taken away from you because you have been sinful? Or is this a sin or is this a conviction that is brought about because you are under the conviction from the Spirit? that you are guilty before a holy God. That's where it goes back to, you know, what are we teaching fundamentally to our children? How do they understand what, what faith is? How do they understand who they are in light of who God is? But then look at these, this next set of, set of uh, this next list. The fruit or the proofs of authentic, true Christianity. Number one, a love for God. A love for God. Uh, you have new affections. That's what Pastor Farrell was talking about this morning, is that you know, there's, no, um, there's no system out there, even the system of the law, that there's no system out there that can give you new affections. You can have tradition and ritual, and you can say, this is what I'm going to do all the time, and you know, these are my habits, but affections... What is, your, what is your new affection? What is your desire, your love? There's no system that can give you that. It, it, that takes a transformed heart in order to have that love built. And then what about repentance from sin? Repentance from sin. Coming to you, coming to mom and dad and saying, Mom, Dad, um, I did this thing. Confession, but then also saying, Will you forgive me? And then turning away from that sin turning away that they don't go back to it any longer. Repentance from sin is another, another sign of that. Genuine humility. Genuine humility. And you have a list of scriptures alongside there that you could read through and give some comparison and thoughts uh, through that. Devotion to God's glory. Devotion to God's glory. What did uh, you know, Pastor Farrell mention this also this morning? He quoted that, that Piper quote of... Uh, you know, what is God's glory? What is it? It's his holiness on display for all to see. You know, his holiness put on, um, uh, gone, gone public. His holiness gone public. Continual prayer. Selfless love. Uh, separation from the world. Spiritual growth. And then obedient living. You know, what are what are, what is the fruit? You know, you, some, somebody comes to you, and um, and shares that they're a four year old prayed to receive Christ, and and that's a that's a great thing. That's an it's that's an encouragement to think that 
you know, you were able to talk talk with your child, and and they made this profession of faith that that they need Jesus to save them from the sins that they have committed, and they need a transformed heart. Um, but but is that what you're gonna come back to when the child, when they're eight or nine, saying, you know, I don't, I've I've been I've been doing these things, and I've been you know living in these habits, these sinful habits, and and I'm not sure. You know, there there was this time back when I was four years old that I made a profession of faith, but maybe that wasn't real. Maybe that wasn't genuine. Well, come back to this list and say, well, let's look at your life. Do you have a love for God? Are you actually repenting from sin? Is there genuine humility? Is is there separation from the world? Is there actual spiritual growth? Where are you now? How are, how are you growing in Christ-likeness, in those spiritual affections that, that, you, uh, that you once were growing in? Has that continued? Or are you just allowing the world to encroach upon your life and to snuff out what the Spirit was once doing? Yeah. Raising in a Christian environment, your kids are going to church all the time, doing everything. Yeah. How do you navigate? Because everything you say in the first, everything in the first list really is true. Mm-hmm. If you're a believer, in other words, you're going to show visible morality. You're going to have biblical knowledge. You're going to be yeah. involved religiously. You're going to be active in ministry. So how do you? How do you? At what point do your kids navigate them through? Formality of things versus really distinguishing where you're at spiritually. What point do they bring those emotions? And especially your parents, sometimes at some point, kids get a little bit older, and ah, they don't want to go to church. I make them go, and then you start wrestling with the outward behavior and the heart's not desires of of following. So how do you transition there? Yeah, there's. That's, I think that's, that's one reason why this is it neither proves nor disproves one's faith. These evidences, the first ones. I mean, yeah, the, that list is going to go through, and, and as a child, they're going to grow up, and they're going to do what mom and dad do for the most part. They're going to follow and obey and, and go along with everything. But then, if yeah, once they get a little bit older and, and they start making their own decisions, this is real life on, on, on real life, and and I'm going to start doing what I'm going to do, and I don't really want to go to church, I don't, or I don't really want to study my Bible. I don't really, you know, want to follow through the motions. Um, a lot of that goes back even to um, the earlier representations of those things, of the visible mora- morality, the intellectual knowledge, the religious involvement of of why are they doing that? What is the purpose for that? Is it to appease mom and dad, or is it? Or is it a, a genuine desire to please the Lord? And so, you know, we as parents, are we requiring these things? Or is this just a genuine uh, desire for that they have in their own heart to to work this out and to see this present? If if you go to the second list, I think this is where, you know, you, be, you begin to hold it to the fire and see see what is what is right and true. You know, what is their their love for God? Or are they getting taken over by their desire for self and desire for the word? I would say that all of these things, time, like what Pastor Farrell says, time and truth, they walk together. We begin to see the fruits beginning to bear within the hearts of the young boys and girls, the young men and women. And uh, if they're not showing these things, at that point, 
just like you would any other believer, you're going to bring them alongside and say, listen, um, according to Scripture, this, is, this should be genuine outpourings of our hearts if we are a true follower of Christ. And, and I don't see this in your heart. I don't see this in your life. I don't see this type of, of consistency in your life. You know, why, why is that? Why, why don't you think that's, that's happening right now? And just begin to ask questions and probe that, just like you would with any other brother or sister in Christ here at church. And I would do that with, with my own children. So. Rather than just going and saying, hey, why aren't you doing your devotions? Or, hey, why aren't you, um, you need to get in the car, we're going to church right now. Um, I mean, I still say that there is a point where you're still going to bring Johnny or Susie to the church, regardless, because you're part of the family. But is this something that you're just constantly badgering them with, you know, hitting them over the head, hey, you need to be doing this and that, get in line? Hey, you just you start to get to the heart of it. That's where that relationship is so important, that if you don't have that relationship with them, then all this is more of just do's and don'ts, and you're saying no, or you're saying do this now, and there's no other way, no other path. How, how else would you think through that, Jeff? I mean, you personally, I mean, especially you've, you've gone through this. So. I think in parenting you could, I think was, there was an older generation who thought that basically the kids weren't seen or heard doing a good job. <laughs> I remember mom, was, mom said once, uh, the kids never embarrassed me. I'm thinking, you know, mom, was that really the goal then that I was going to embarrass you? No, it was kind of that. So I do think we could fall to the, to make the mistake of thinking that because my kids are well behaved in church that I've got this under control and reality their hearts are are so hard towards the gospel that we the first opportunity to have to manifest it. So I do think you have to be get to nurture their hearts and not just especially as they grow they don't have to grow very old. I mean as soon as you start getting the age of having a conversation with them about things. Um, you have to really and, and then the other thing is too for me First of all, of course, my wife and I's heart's disposition towards ministry, mm. and we, we always communicated everything was a blessing, a blessing to serve in children's ministry, it's a blessing to, you know, so we, how our, how we're predisposed to approaching the ministry question, also assess the tone from our, from our own kids to where church wasn't a, a big, mass restrictive environment, you know, you know, it's not a don't-do place, it's, yeah. you come and, and you worship the Lord, so there's, probably the, the parents of that, but I guess I was just thinking, while I think one of the great challenges, I think the greater challenge to find in America, how to look overseas, is that you have to, a generation of just nominal Christians because they're bathing in it, yeah. and it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. And the first chance they get, they, they live their lives, because they've been affirmed wrongly, they live their lives thinking we're, we're fine, no love for the Lord, no real commitment to God. They have he does he does they don't worship the Lord, they have all these other idols in their life. I think raising your kids in America is, is challenging because Christianity kind of breathes in this culture and it creates a false sense of spirituality. That is a that is a challenge. So these things are helpful to distinguish between those that be satisfied with outward activity, knowledge, memorize mm-hmm. all these verses, got all these badges and all these things and the reality is this thing for, for the law of the Lord. Yeah, it's helpful. It, and a lot of that is even dictated by 
um, our own representation of that too. So as a family, you know, how do, how do mom and dad present this? Is this, um, is, is the faith just something we do every once in a while, or is it something we do, you know, Sundays and Wednesdays or, or, you know, during Bible studies and things like that? Or is this an actual genuine daily life that you live and breathe? This isn't just a badge that you wear on your jacket, you know, oh, I'm a Christian or I believe in Jesus and I'm going to save the world. Um, is this is this life to you? Is this transforming? Um, so and shepherding, for example, okay, again, like if I have a child who panics because well, I've got tests to study for it, I don't want to go to church Sunday night. Hmm. Well, in the moment, I'm going to let that go because she's under stress now and she's down where she needs to be. But the following week, I'm going to be like, hey, are you everything covered for Monday? We're good to go because I hate for you in this church again, you know. And, hmm. So you know where you shepherd them on the back end. You don't know you're not you're not going to this church for seven. Yeah. Well, she can't plan well. She needs to. So you have to be wise and you have to be loving and have to just going to church isn't the all in all of what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, but you do have to. But on the back end, you do have to. Hey, be involved in in the churches. Here's why why it's important to your life to to everything else. So you have to you have to think flexible enough to understand that. It's good. Yeah. Having enough flexibility to where you're shepherding with gentleness and yet also realizing that you don't uh, create an instance where they're presuming upon that and presuming upon grace to where oh, I'll just I'll just study for it Sunday evening and you know, you're trying right, to help set them up. Yeah. Or they say it's too late night before mm. so that you're tired. Well yeah. you need to plan better because churches <laughs> Yeah, the church Yeah. Any other comments on that? Thoughts from anybody? Yeah, it goes back to understanding those, um, you know, discerning as a as a good parent, you know, what is what is active rebellion, and then what is just, you know, this is a, a heart that's still being transformed, and you're not yet sure, like if you know they're they're trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong there, you know, so you you handle that in one situation, like what Jeff's saying, in that situation, it's more of a a lesson of, of maturity and responsibility. It's not just like oh. I don't want to go to church and, uh, you know, I'm going to stick it to mom and dad and say, you know, I'm not going and I'm planting my foot down and I'm staying home. You know, it's, this is a, something that you have to work on in the moment. Uh, another list of, of recommended resources, uh, that, that you'll see in your notes. Um, uh, your child's profession of faith by Dennis Gunderson. I would, I would highly recommend that one. Um, that's a uh, another very good resource uh, there as well. 
um, as you as you consider all the things that that we're we're looking through, um, this this next main point is is probably uh, I, I cannot emphasize it uh, uh, enough, and that is the parent as a prayer warrior. The parent as a prayer warrior. Now you may say like, well, well, duh, Matt. You know, like of course I'm praying for my kids. I'm praying for their salvation, and I'm praying that. Um, that uh, God would be seen in them and through them and that he would manifest himself in them through salvation. But uh, that, is, uh, that has to be a regular prayer for you. And, 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 it's not all, and, and I'm not saying that every day you need to set them aside and hold your arms on them or hold your hands on them and, and say, God, save this sinful creature you know, it's a, you know, from, from damnation and, and all that. You're, you're praying for them. Uh, before they're born, you're praying for uh, them as they're um, as they're they're growing and maturing, um, and and there will be times where you're praying for them to come to salvation. Um, you know, before uh, you know, at bedtime, you're praying, you know, God, I would I pray that you would, you know, draw uh, Addison and Everly and Lathia and Oliver, you know, to yourself, that you would make yourself know that um, that you would convict them of of sinful. Um, patterns in their life and and draw them to you in faith and that they would repent and believe and so praying is is of utmost importance for the parent uh, Spurgeon said if if any of you ask me for an epitome of the Christian religion I should say it is in that one word prayer the you know, prayer is is something that um, is probably the most important thing that we should be doing, and yet the most neglected thing that we we do. <laughs> and um, and there's some uh, verses for you: Colossians 4, 1 Thessalonians five, Job one, and Philippians four that emphasize these these this matter. But prayer does not control God, but it's a demonstration of our dependence upon and submission to His plans and purposes. God commands us to pray because. He desires to use us in the unfolding of his will. And prayer is, is oftentimes uh, a lesson not only for our children, but even for ourselves. We, we explain to ourselves very often what we believe and how we believe simply by the words that we speak in our prayers. And so um, if you want to uh, test your faith, if you want to see what it is that you're really believing, you know, uh, write out your prayers. And, and, and read them, read them uh, again, read them back and, and see how the Lord is growing you or see how maybe you're in need of growth even in that. But pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom in raising your children as well as the ability to trust God's providence. First one, pray for wisdom. Second, pray for their salvation. Pray for their salvation. The Lord desires to hear our concerns, and he desires to answer us, and, and he is faithful and true to do that. But pray for their salvation. Pray for their increased understanding of the knowledge of God. Use Paul's prayers as examples, First uh, Thessalonians 5 and Ephesians 1. Uh, pray for their protection. So their wis- pray for wisdom, pray for salvation. Pray for increased understanding of the knowledge of God. You, know, I can, I can tell you, and this is this is not a pride thing. This is uh, the uh, gratefulness to the Lord. But when your children are here, 
this is for you all in context, but when your children are here at our church and they're being taught, they're being taught the Word of God, and they're being taught the Word of God in, in many, many ways, uh, whether that's um, uh, going systematically through the Scriptures from beginning to end, or they're like tonight over in Adventure Club, they're being taught the doctrines systematically, or in the youth group systematically, going through specific doctrines. And what you're desiring is for them to grow in knowledge, not that knowledge leads to faith and belief, but, or not that that uh, equates faith and belief, but it does spur on and bring them to, uh, will, will bring them to a, an understanding of who God is and who they are in light of who God is and the need for salvation. So pray for increased understanding. Pray for their protection. Pray for protection from physical harm, from sickness. And as you pray for their protection, also pray that they will grow in trusting God's sovereign purposes, even in the, the moments when they're afflicted, when they're hurt, when they're, when they're uh, in great illness. And um, all of you if, you, if you have children, which uh, everyone in here pretty much does, uh, there are going to be instances where you're praying your heart out and you're, you know, for dear life because your child's life is on the line or there's something that you don't know could be really bad. It could be you're waiting on the answer from the doctor and you're just trusting and hoping that the Lord will bring clarity to it. But you also need to be praying for God's sovereign purpose in it all. Not just saying, Lord, take this away, but Lord, whatever it is that you're trying to show us in this moment and to, to bring us to better understanding and application of in this, maybe that's patience, maybe that's perseverance, maybe that's trusting you more in this moment because we are, we are hopeless and we have nothing else to turn to but you. Lord, use this sovereignly in your purposes to help us to trust you more. Pray for protection from the influence of the world, you know, putting on the armor of God, and and and, and pray that um, uh, a prayer that uh, prayers that are necessary for strength and spiritual warfare. Pray that God will protect them from the influence of the outside. Pray for strength, comfort in their trials. Pray that God will help hold them fast in those trials and those issues. Pray for wisdom in their, in their present and future decisions. Pray for wisdom in their present and future decisions. Uh, Pastor Abbott just recently uh, gave his daughter in marriage, and I'm sure that at some point in Chloe's life, he prayed for the decision of who she would marry and how that would come about. I won't ask him now if that was answered, but yes. <laughs> um, but we, we do pray for decisions, pray for, you know, how they, um, how they are going to uh, do in school, pray for uh, decisions of, of what to do for the rest of their life, pray for uh, decisions of who they're going to make as friends and, and who are they are going to be around and, and to be influenced by. Teach your children by precept and example to honor God in their decision-making by, by um, applying principles Learn from God's word rather than impulses or influences of the moment. Uh, you know, for example, choosing activities, education, career, or spouse. You're going to set that model for them. You're going to set the tone for them of how you pray and what you pray for. Pray for their relationships. We already we mentioned that. 
but a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity proverbs 17 17 pray for good friends uh, bad company corrupts good morals first corinthians 15 uh, pray for their growth in the one another's pray for growth in the one another's and prayer is also is important but exemplifying this is is just as important so what are you doing in the one another's of the scriptures to be an example to your children in those things how are you exemplifying that to your children appendix one of those appendices that i shared with you talk about those one another specifically and how you as a family can demonstrate those last uh, pray for their future heart for ministry pray for their future heart for ministry now that can be you saying i'm praying lord that you'll make this child um you know, the, the next Charles Spurgeon or the next Jeff Abbott, um, you know, pray that, uh, that you'll, that you'll do this great work in, in, in my child's life and, and, and they will become, um, um, a wonderful missionary that will go and, and, and share your truth with, with people in countless countries and, and that you'll use them as a tool or, or pray for their future ministry, just even within their own home. Pray that the Lord will uh, help them to be faithful uh, to adequately uh, prepare their children and or their spouse um, in the word and, and to bathe them in and saturate them in the word. Pray, pray for their future ministry. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're praying that your son will become the, uh, the next best preacher, but pray for them in all areas of ministry and those one another's. Be a prayer warrior. It's, it's a great comfort to know that, that God hears our prayers. Uh, prayers you know, prayer brings us the encouragement. It brings strength. It brings wisdom that we need to fulfill our role as biblical parents. And it's, it's, uh, it's really our intent in prayer you know, to not, not to move God to our bidding, but rather to align our desires with him, with his desires. We're wanting to do what uh, what he wants us to do. Another, uh, well, we, we mentioned this. I mentioned this a little while ago, but as you pray, as you pray, uh, one, one of the, uh, a good thing to do or a beneficial thing to do would be to even journal your prayers. You write your prayers out to be able to go back to them and read them and, and keep account of, of God's faithfulness in all those things, keeping an account of that. And it's so easy to do that nowadays. You know, it's not like a, um, uh, uh, you have volumes and volumes. I think of Pastor Brody and uh, in his notebooks, you know, that he's actually turning into volumes of, of a books. <laughs> but uh, those are good things to do. But, you know, just simply taking notes or, you know, taking um, uh, taking a representation of what is it that you're, uh, that you're, you're praying about. Really, this curriculum, it, it helps us understand our priorities. It helps us understand what, what the goal of parenting is, the challenges of parenting, and the roles of parenting. But you know, to really end this well, what is the parent's reward? What is the parent's reward? And as you study this, the parent's re- reward is, is really personal sanctification. Personal sanctification. Um, I'm so grateful to have been able to you know, teach the course because this has been such an area of sanctification within my own heart 
you know, to be in order to study it or in order to teach it, I had to prepare and to study and to be equipped to be able to, be able to teach it to you all. And this has been an area of sanctification within my own heart, preparing me to be able to do it. But, but God is using our children in the process of our sanctification, and children serve as a mirror for us as parents. And someone said once, I didn't know how impatient I was until I had children. And, and that's, that's a reality. That's a reality. You could have been the most laid-back person in the world. And then all of a sudden, somebody hands you this little child who you think is the most adorable thing until night one or two, and you think, what in the world happened? And, <laughs> and, you, and you become the most impatient person very quickly. But parenting stretches us in many ways. It's, it, it, in our understanding of Scripture, our trust in God and in loving and, and holy living, parenting stretches us in those things. And knowing that we, we must teach our children what we ourselves are living causes us to be constantly aware of our own failures and sin. This, this recognizes, um, this is really a recognition that drives us to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find um, grace to help in the time of need, Hebrews 4.16 tells us. Thus we, we change and we grow. In addition to a uh, a rich reward of faithful parenting is is our own increased youthfulness in ministry as God sanctifies us. Being diligent to parent our children biblically brings an established credibility, which will be used by God to teach others and to strengthen and encourage others in this time. So you have been equipped now. I'm going to give you guys the uh, the, the badges and the seals and say that, hey, this family's struggling. Go to... Carolina Alley, you know, she's already, she knows all this stuff now because she took the parenting class. No, I'm not going to say that. But, you know, you have a greater knowledge now. You have a greater knowledge now of an understanding of the principles and the basics, the fundamentals, so that you can put these things into application, but also so that you can help others as well. But also, not just the reward of our personal sanctification, but also divine satisfaction divine satisfaction there's a tremendous joy in pleasing god as a biblical parent and he is pleased because you are endeavoring to further his own redemptive purposes by influencing successive generations to to worship and glorify him you can devote yourself to no greater or more fulfilling enterprise than molding and shaping your children for the kingdom and kingdom usefulness biblical parenting it's as, as it says, a life to a life for a lifetime. This is, this is important for us. to. This is why we call it parenting for life. It is, it is, is generational. And, and we need to, um, we must take it seriously. There are many things in this world that we're uh, trying to buy for our, our attention. But uh, you can't get back the time that you have with your children. Let's, let's pray, and uh, we'll close, and I'll let you guys go. Father, thank you for your truth. It's truth that transforms, truth that sanctifies us, that reminds us of our inadequacies. And yet, even in our inadequacy, you have reminded us that you have given us strength and purpose. You have given us power beyond measure 
grace and mercies that are new every day, sufficient uh, to do this work of parenting. Lord, we may rise in the morning worn and tired, weak and frail, and yet you have given us the purpose and the responsibility to train and to equip these young children in our lives to come to uh, a full knowledge and understanding of who you are. It is the, the family's responsibility, and yet we as a church come alongside and we bolster and, and build up uh, one another in that process. So thank you for your truth that, that helps us to see that responsibility and yet also helps us to to actually live it out and to equip our children. Thank you for that. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for uh, endeavoring to help us to be patient with them as well. And I pray that we would live these things fully uh, for your sake and for your name. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you, guys. We'll finish up next week following up with some following principles and, and some more Q&A. So uh, please, come, please come ready to, to ask some questions. And um, I'll let uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Gregorin answer them all next week. So, <laughs> All right. We'll see you then.